Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. End-time biblical prophecy can be pretty scary. It's filled with lots of bitterness. Pastor J.D. today explains that these prophecies are bittersweet on purpose. They're designed to be a catalyst that moves the sinner to salvation in Jesus Christ. Let's remember that the end times are not bitter but sweet for those who love Jesus. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update at jdfarag.org. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on March 25th, 2023. I need to talk with you. (laughs) Notice I'm not saying I want to talk with you. I need to talk with you about both how and why the teaching of bittersweet Bible prophecy is an absolute must. And here's why. Bible prophecy teaches us that in the end, and this is the end, our money is not going to save us. Our government is not going to save us, contrary to what they say. And especially And I'll say it this way, the God of science is not going to save us. Oh, did you know that science is a God? Uh, The science God. No, we're talking about the God of science, not the science God. They've made science a God and replaced the God of science. Science isn't going to save us. If you'll kindly allow me to, I'll draw your attention to a most fascinating prophecy that's found in, of all places, no surprise here, the book of Revelation. Chapter 10, I want to begin reading in verse 5 if you want to follow along. Now John is writing, and he has just been shown, and it's just been revealed to him, this mighty angel who's standing on both land and sea as a demonstration of the authority of God over land and sea. Now when we get to verse 5, John writes, the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be delay no longer. I'm liking that. 
No more delays. Verse 7, but in the days of the sounding of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, the mystery of God would be finished. Oh, it's even getting better. I I like words like no longer delaying, no more delay, and finished. All right. The mystery of God would be finished as he declared to his servants the prophets. Then, verse 8, the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go, take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the earth. So I went to the angel and said to him, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take and eat it, and it will make your stomach bitter, but it will be as sweet as honey in your mouth. Then, verse 10, I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. And he said to me, verse 11, you must prophesy again about many peoples, nations, tongues, and kings. We find a similar prophecy in the book of Ezekiel chapter 3. I'll begin reading in verse 3. And he said to me, son of man, Feed your belly and fill your stomach with this scroll that I give you. So I ate, and it was in my mouth like honey in sweetness. Then he said to me, verse 4, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language, but to the house of Israel, not to many people of unfamiliar speech and of hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely had I sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But verse 7, the house of Israel will not listen to you because they will not listen to me. For all the house of Israel are impudent and hard-hearted. Behold, verse 8, I have made your face strong against their faces, and your forehead strong against their foreheads, like adamant stone, harder than flint. I have made your forehead. I think they call that uh, hard-headed. I know you don't know anything that I'm speaking of. I'll speak for myself. Do not be afraid of them, nor be dismayed at their looks. Every pastor needs verse 9 as a reminder, because when you're teaching the truth, the hard truth, dare I say the bitter truth, well, people look at you. Don't look at the person sitting next to you. And I'll try not to look at you right now either. But just just that the body language, as we say. 
Uh, don't fear the way they're going to look at you when you speak to them, neither be afraid of them, though they are a rebellious house. Moreover, verse 10, he said to me, Son of man, receive into your heart all my words that I speak to you and hear with your ears, and go get to the captives, to the children of your people, and speak to them and tell them, thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or whether they refuse. In other words, Ezekiel, it doesn't matter whether or not they hear it or not. The only thing that matters is whether you speak it or not. You speak to them and tell them regardless of their response to you. Now, when we get to verses 14 and 15, we see the sweetness turn to bitterness in the prophet Ezekiel. Verse 14, so the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit, but the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. Then I came to the captives at Tel Abib, who dwelt by the river Kebar, and I sat where they sat and remained there astonished among them seven days. The reason I'm starting out this way is because, like with Ezekiel, John was faithful to prophesy the bitter truth of God's Word to the bitter end. However, they could not have done so had they not first possessed that which God would have them impart. And let me explain that. They had to first eat the sweet Word of God before they were then able to digest it, take it in, eat it, partake of it, digest it, then speak it. Well, it's bittersweet. And it tastes sweet, but the more I digest it, the more I think on it, the more I think about it, the more I realize that it's a bitter word, a bitter truth. It is bitterness. It's for this reason that both Ezekiel and John knew that they must, keyword must, prophesy and speak the unpopular, uncomfortable, inconvenient, and bitter truth. And I say it this way because it wasn't so much of an act of obedience to the Lord as it was an act of love for the Lord and those in desperate need of the Lord. I must tell them this. 
Yeah, but this is hard. This is, this is a bitter truth. I know I must tell them this. They couldn't hold it in. Knowing the bitter truth about not only what happens in the end, but that it was now the time of the end. Recently we completed our verse by verse study through the book of Jeremiah, and about halfway through the book, (laughs) Jeremiah is so broken down, he wants to give up prophesying the bitter truth about Judah's end. And the problem is that he just could not. And we see why in chapter 20, verses 8 and 9. For when I spoke, I cried out, I shouted, violence and plunder, doom and gloom, fire and brimstone, the end is here. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily, daily, every day. Then I said, verse 9, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. Translated, Jeremiah is saying to God, I quit. Well, there's only one problem, Jeremiah. Slaves can't quit. I know you want to, but you can't. And it's not so much, I'm not going to let you, you can't quit, and I'm not going to fire you either. It's more like this, I'm going to have my bitter sweet word burn in you so hot that you cannot keep it in. And that's exactly what he says. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire shut up in my bones I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. I must. I don't want to. I must. I can't not. I have to. I have to. I can't keep this in. Yes, I know it is bittersweet. It is bitterness. It is hard, but it's the truth and I can't keep it in. And this is how the teaching of bittersweet Bible prophecy was a must for them then, and how it is a must for us now. Let's talk about why. That's how. Let's talk about why. Why is the bittersweet prophecy teaching and understanding a must for us. In a sentence, the bitter can be the catalyst for the sweet. By way of an illustration, the bitterness of sin's consequences can serve as the motivation for one coming to the sweetness of salvation. But see, that's the problem, isn't it? We only want to hear the sweet stuff. Oh, sweet. No, but we need to hear the bitter truth. 
And this is true when it comes to Bible prophecy. Such that knowing this world is coming to a bitter end can have the much needed effect of propelling people to Jesus in the end. But again, that's the problem, isn't it? I think about the prophet Jeremiah again, and even Isaiah dealt with this. Speak to us only smooth things. Don't prophesy to us that. In fact, lie to us. No, for real. Just, just don't tell us the bitter truth. Tell us lies, sweet little lies. <laughs> Sorry, had a little flashback there. Hope that song doesn't get stuck in your mind. See, you just want to hear the good. God loves you. Ah. But the problem with that is if I have a spiritual diet of only sweets, I'm going to have rotten teeth, <laughs> and I'm going to be very unhealthy. You cannot survive on that kind of a diet. Here's what happens in the spiritual. You'll, I know I'm taking this analogy further than it probably should be taken, but hear me out. Isn't it true that when you eat something sweet, you develop a sweet tooth for something sweet? Am I right? The more sweet you eat, the more sweet you want to eat. I mean, let's be honest, who among us, well, I'm, I'm going to pick on, I picked on lima beans one time. I think I'll pick on something else. Okay, you know, I like broccoli, but not when it's steamed or sautéed. Raw, I can deal with it, but... No, but it's good for you. I don't want it. And especially, depending on how you, I, I know I'm taking it way too far, but we're, we're almost done. I'll bring it back in. But it can just have such a, a bitter taste. I would much rather <laughs> have this um, French vanilla ice cream over here. Right? I mean, I can even, I can even taste it right now. I, I, that, that's what I want. Well, that might be what you want, but that's not what you need. You need these vegetables. Yeah, but I don't like the vegetables. Well, but no, you, you need them. I want to pose a question. Could it be that this may in some way explain, not excuse, explain, why it is that Bible prophecy is not taught. Actually, this is the very reason Bible prophecy must be taught, to the bitter end, if we're to have any hope. Because Jesus, as the spirit of prophecy, is our only hope. Absent the bitter truth of Bible prophecy, people will continue to hold on to their hope for and in 
this world. We talked about this before, but Bible prophecy has this effect on our lives. What it produces in our lives is this letting go of our tight, ever tightening grip on this world and the things of this world. And for some it's a bitter realization. And when I say by hope for and in this world, I mean we're prone to place our hope in a Savior to not only save this world, but also save our lives in this world. And it's backwards. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 16 verse 25. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let me take it a step further and suggest that this saving of one's life in this world can come packaged with the embracing of the false savior of this world. You know who I'm talking about, right? We know him as the Antichrist. And by the way, Antichrist does not just mean against Christ, but in the place of Christ. He's a false savior. So this is the Antichrist here to save the day. The man with the plan, as he's called. So he arrives on the scene, and he's going to solve the world's problems, bring a false peace to the world, and control the world vis-a-vis a one-world government, one-world religion, and one-world economy. And this prophecy will find its ultimate fulfillment in the seven-year tribulation, and we have the specificity of this prophecy found in, again, of all places, shocking, the book of Revelation. Actually, a global religion, global government, and a global economy are in Revelation chapter 13, which prophesies all three. Let's start with global religion. It's in other places, but Revelation chapter 13 verse 4. So they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worshiped the beast, saying, who is like the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Very powerful. Global government, verse 7. It was granted to him to make war with the saints, the tribulation saints, and to overcome them. And authority was given him over, listen, every tribe, tongue, and nation. Pretty much covers it all. We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. You've been listening to the latest prophecy update that Pastor J.D. has been sharing. And as always, it's fascinating to hear and learn 
about how the things going on in the world relate to things predicted in the Bible. If you're ever interested in finding out more about this ministry, head over to jdfarag.org. That's jdfarag.org to learn more. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to come check out our church family. At Calvary Chapel Kaneohe, we meet on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. There's a Calvary link at the bottom of our webpage, so look for it at jdfarag.org. That link will give you more info on service times, directions, and more. Also, on our website, you'll notice a tab at the top that says ABCs. This is a helpful tool if you're in need of understanding a more in-depth view of what it means to have a saving knowledge of Jesus. If you or any friends or family need some clarification, this should help clear some things up for you. Again, that website is jdfarag.org. Next time, you'll get to hear some more interesting things about current affairs and how they relate to what the Bible says to be true. The prophecies in the Bible were not just mentioned casually. Every prophecy written in the Bible will come to pass. So there's much to understand about what's to come. We look forward to that time with you and hope you'll join us then. Until then, may you be looking for wisdom from God in spirit and truth. <laughs>